Down the right field line. Pretty well hit. LaVarne way. It's the right way here tonight. Yogi Berra said it's 90% mental. The other half is physical. My name is Ryan LaVarneway, Major League Catcher and Minor League Grinder. And I've spent the last 15 years playing professional baseball while evolving my mindset. I'm fascinated by optimizing that 90%. In this show, I'll talk to elite athletes and mindset coaches about what makes them tick and how they've overcome obstacles in their own careers on the way to finding success. This is Finding the Way. Hey guys, this is Ryan LaVarnway and I'm so excited to be joined by Nick Rickles. If you don't know who Nick Rickles is, he was an All-State baseball player in Florida in high school, two-time Division I All-American baseball player at Stetson University for the Hatters, was drafted by the Oakland A's, played 10 years professionally with the A's, the Nationals, and the Phillies organizations, and then was my teammate multiple times playing for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic and in the Olympics. Nick, so happy to be doing this with you today, man. Ryan, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this, man. I mean, you, you've been around so much. It's, you've met so many people. I'm very honored that uh, you're having me on, on the podcast. Oh, of course. So uh, actually, the, so the motivation for me wanting to have you on was I saw a post that you had today um, where you commented on a little kid who had been cut from his team and he had, had paid back and had a great game against that coach or that team. You were cut from your middle school team two years in a row and then went on to do all those cool things that I just said about you. Tell me, what was the the turnaround? You know, for me, a lot of it had to do with my dad um, pushing me in the right direction. I was, I wouldn't say I was ever really, you know, a good baseball player when I was young. I kind of just did it because, you know, I lived in Florida. It was always outdoor sports for me. Um, I did the baseball, football, platoon. Honestly, I thought I was better at football growing up, uh, but middle school team didn't have a football team. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try out for baseball. I had done the travel ball thing forever. A lot of the kids on my team were on my travel ball team. So I was super excited uh, to, to try out my, my sixth grade um, year. Went there, had a good tryout. I thought I did well. Um, obviously, in Florida, there's a ton of competition because it is year-round baseball. And my first year, uh, I got cut. And I remember thinking, I was like, you know what? I work my butt off. I'll play travel ball. My dad um, was always pretty hard on me as a kid, but this was one of the few moments or the first moments I can remember where he was a little uh, softer. He wasn't disappointed by any means. He's like, look, this is just, we'll work, we'll get better. We'll, we'll join a different travel team and get ready. Um, and then unfortunately the same result the next year. Um, and I was questioning if baseball was for me, if it was, you know, it was time to switch to football and it, I don't even know. I think at 10 years old, that's a pretty harsh thing to think of right away. Um, but my family being a huge support system and, and my dad, I remember we used to fight uh, because he used to call me an athlete student instead of a student athlete. Which <laughs> I know Ivy Leaguers aren't keen on that thought, but uh, you know, it's something that I would do batting cages before homework. Um, I would I would go running before homework and and. My eighth grade year, I ended up making making the team, um, and then varsity my freshman year of high school was was a huge jump for me. Um, and I know you talk about motivation, and I mean it's crazy. At 32 years old, I can still remember my uh, coach Shram that cut me twice. Um, so it was pretty motivational throughout the baseball years. So what? So what was it? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate to that, right? I, they play multiple sports. They don't really want to choose one early. They don't want to have to specify. 
and, and just only do one sport, but then maybe they feel like they're falling behind. What was it that turned it around where you went from getting cut to being on the varsity team your freshman year? Yeah, so for me, like I said, I, I'm going to mention my dad a lot uh, throughout this. Obviously, my mom played a huge part, too. But my dad was very, very, very sports-driven. Um, for me, once we decided uh, that I got – well, once I was cut the second time, uh, we basically were like, look, if, if baseball is what you love, we are going to focus all of our time on that. Um, so I hung out my football cleats early. Uh, not that I would have been a Tom Brady by any means. <laughs> Um, but we hung up the football cleats and just basically dedicated all my free time um, to baseball. I actually, anybody that I went to high school with, um, even you know my early years of, of college can atone to the fact that I didn't drink, I didn't party, um, I, I kept up my schoolwork, I, I did the right things. My dad always said good things happen to good people. So you know, I worked extremely, extremely hard solely on baseball. Um, and yeah, there's ups and downs. You're not always going to succeed right when you want to. You have to battle adversity in any aspect of life. Um, but for me, I, I took it. I was always, I've always been competitive. It could be who finishes their dinner first with my brother. It, it's anything. Um, so I took it as more of a challenge to, okay, you cut me twice. This is my last year to make the team with all of my friends who are going to go to call our high school a lot, the same place I was. And honestly, I hate to use the word embarrassed, but I was embarrassed for two years, you know, not making a team. You had, I was watching my friends play, which I felt left out. You know, you know, as long as you played, there's team functions. Even at that age, there's team parties, you're picking numbers. It's just, I was embarrassed and sad. And I think that was a lot, uh, finding out how to not dwell down into that negativity. Um, and like I said, family support is huge and, and finding a way to turn that out into, to work ethic, uh, was huge for me. So, so you took a negative experience and you used it to fuel you and to motivate you. And it, it seems like it, it still motivates you. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I mean, you were talking about battling injuries and, and getting drafted. I, I know that, you know, it's, it's great to be a two-time All-American. It's, it's awesome to go Division One, but I've always been the guy where I'm like, okay, what's next? You know, uh, once the accomplishment is accomplished, I don't like feeling satisfied in the moment i'm like okay you can always better yourself somehow so for me i got drafted a little later than i wanted so immediately i was like all right this is back to, i got cut before now getting drafted in general is amazing I'm, I'm very blessed and thankful to do it but everybody has expectations for themselves whether it's realistic or not um and i think that was the first time in my life you're going to a level where everybody is as good or better than you you know in college, uh, regardless of where you go, there's always, I would say, three or four guys that stand out that you're like, all right, that guy is, is you know, the guy. He's the high scholarship guy. He's going to go pro. And then when you get drafted, the 10 guys after you, the 10 guys before you, whatever it may be, are all within that same, outside of maybe the first couple rounds, same, you know, realm of athleticism and talent. I just, it kind of checked me back a little bit and reminded me that, okay, you know, you got drafted. Now it's time to find that motivation again and continue it throughout the years. And, and I think the average playing career, I did a, a project back and I went back to college to get my degree and it was like, like 2% uh, get drafted in general. And then the average playing career career, even in the minor leagues is under two years. Wow. Um, so to make it, I mean, for as long as you've done, you know, is, is you're, you're the exception to the rule. Um, but even doing it for the nine or 10 years that I did, it was, uh, I feel lucky, obviously, at this point. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, what I'm hearing from you is that you, you like to have a chip on your shoulder and, and keep that underdog mentality. And right. if you can do that, you stay hungry. You are the hunter. You're not the hunted. Um, and I, I can relate to that a lot in my career, whereas there have been times where I feel like I deserve something. And as soon as I feel like I deserve it, it, it comes back and bites me. And I need to stay the with the chip on my shoulder. I need to stay being the hunter and the underdog mentality um, that yeah, you're describing. Yeah. I remember you specifically in the WBC. That was uh, a very big theme in what we were doing with Team Israel, um, what you were looked at yourself in the mirror, the way you led the team. I think I'm a big believer in leading by example. I, I you know, and anybody can say whatever they want, um, but until you are the leader or you do lead what you preach. Um, you know, it's tough to, to buy into anybody. And I will say at this point in, in my life, not just career, of all the people I played with this day, I talk about the way you speak, um, the, the example that you set. You know, everyone talks about chasing dreams. That's something that you're, you're, it's banged into your head when you're a child. You know, I'm going to be a big leaguer. I want to I do this. I want to do that. I'm like, you know, there's sacrifices you have to make through life. There is, you know, I, I read an article about you the other day. Um, I know this is more of a collective conversation, but an article about wasting your uh, Ivy League education. And, you know, people ask me specifically, and you can speak to yourself about this, the number one thing baseball teaches you. They're like, you played for 10 years, you really didn't start your real life until you were 32, you know, all this job, for me, I'm speaking of. And, and it teaches you two things, in my opinion. One, you learn how to fail, which in life in general is a huge, huge advantage once you learn how to fail. And two, you only worry about things you can control. So in baseball, the first couple of years, I was stuck on looking at all of the levels ahead of me. I literally was in rookie ball and I was watching Steven Vogt in the big leagues thinking that he was my competition. You know what I'm saying? You get drafted and you're like, oh, he went over four today. Yes. Or like, oh, you know, the guy in AAA is potentially getting moved up. There's going to be a spot. You just got drafted yesterday, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, I feel like you learn over life that baseball can teach you and no offense to any collegiate education there is. Uh, I'm a huge believer in people skills, obviously education based on the profession, but I mean, you've met people probably from every country in the world or close to it. You've met people that speak seven different languages and you've been to multiple countries. It's stuff that without baseball, I don't think I would have the opportunity to have done. Yeah. Um, well, so you, you talk about what you observed in my leadership style when we played for the WBC. You were a leader on this team as well and going to the Olympics. You know, I don't, I don't think there's only one leader on a team. I think good teams have multiple leaders. And especially for the qualifiers, the Olympic qualifiers, you really took a leading role. Um, especially, you know, we, have, we had a coach that didn't have a lot of experience coaching professional guys. So we needed that, that team leadership. Um, what would you say is your leadership style? So for me, I, like I was kind of saying to you before, I, I really, really enjoy the leading by example. Um, I just, the way I was raised, I, I watched how my parents parented me. It's now transitioned into how I parent my children. Um, it's just one of those things where I think people, they always say someone's always watching. I mean, I remember that when I got drafted, every coach always said that. And to be honest with you, at a younger age, I didn't buy into it. And I think a lot of them say it because there's, there's people that need instant gratification. So if you think someone's paying attention to you, you think someone's watching you, you always feel like you're gratified by their approval. For me, I almost enjoy 
if I can affect one person, and I know it's kind of like an extreme thought, but let's say when I was coaching or when I was playing or Team Israel, one of the younger guys from Israel, anything like that, if one person sees me do one thing that they wouldn't have done in a positive way and now they decide to do that forever, the trickle-down effect of that one person, now someone else sees it. So instead of, I don't like making, achievements are achievements, but I enjoy the thought of, okay, example here, example here, now it just falls down all the way through. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not, I don't need 10,000 people in a room to be like, I'm going to do what he does. Just yeah. one. You'd be the first domino that, that yeah. sets up a chain of positive events. Correct. I love that. Um, I, I'm actually, I'm thinking back to a conversation. I don't know if you even remember this. 2017, you and I were, we were in Korea and we were at the JW Marriott where the team was staying for the hotel, and we were at breakfast. And you were you were debating um, whether you wanted to continue playing professionally or not. Right. And you said something to me that it kind of changed my life and my career and my perspective. And I wanted to—I don't know if I've ever thanked you for it, but you said I decided I'm going to play to—I'm going to keep playing today because I've been watching how much fun you were having playing baseball, and it makes me love baseball more. Yeah, I mean, I, I get goosebumps listening to you say that. It's, I, it's funny because I had never, we, you had been around baseball, drafted wise, professionally before I got drafted, right? So, and our paths never crossed. It seems if you look back on it, there's, a, I mean, you were with a ton of organizations, but there's a lot of organizations that we missed each other by two years, a year here and there, or whatever. And you know, I never got the chance to play with you. And when I did play with you, it's, it's funny. Um, and I'm sure you've heard this over and over again because people probably always ask you, hey, when are you going to coach for you? When are you going to coach? You're a catcher. You're going to be a manager one day, blah, blah, blah. I think you should play as long as you want to play and you can compete, right? And I remember thinking in 17, I was like, you know, maybe he's on the back end of his career because I didn't know you at that point. You had already played baseball. I don't know what year got drafted. I'm betting you were already around for 10 years. Yeah. -ish, you know? And I'm like, he's probably in the back end. He's looking at this like kind of like, oh, I'm going to go out on top. The WBC is great. <laughs> And he'll just go through the motions, you know, like you just have this idea of because I never made it to the big leagues. And, you know, the only big leaguers I really deal with are when you're in spring training and you go up and down to catch some bullpens or, you know, you do mop up duty at the end of the game where you're still playing with your own minor league guys. But I feel like a lot of guys have an idea that major league guys don't work as well. You know, they don't work as hard. They're just making their money, blah, blah, blah. And the longer you are, you realize that's not true. So when I first met you, I was like kind of. I wasn't taken back, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to observe, you know, like, I don't want to have, I don't want to have an opinion. Um, I'm just going to observe. He's, he's a professional. He's done it forever. And I remember thinking you had the excitement of like, like an 18 year old kid and in the, in the backfield playing on the sandline. And I'm like, he's played for so long. He's been up and down. I guarantee if you ask him if he's had everything he wanted in his career, he's going to tell you no. Um, and he's out here literally, 50 feet off the ground fist pumping people all the way back from homers like like I, I i just remember the video of like you blocking a ball your 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 helmet was off and like we were already up by i don't even know six or seven runs and you're like i mean just the intensity and the fun i was like i gotta play. i have to play i know that because that was like i was like i saw it's weird seeing yourself in somebody that isn't you because normally you look at someone younger and you're like oh i see myself in this like 10 year old i was like that that was me that was me when i had fun that was me when i made varsity as a freshman and i'm like i'm playing i'm playing until they ripped the jersey off my back so that was a huge i mean like i said you had that one person i guarantee i wasn't the only one you inspired but that from 17 i played again until 20. so i mean i played yeah. another three years 
That's awesome. And and the crazy part is, is the year before that was probably the worst year of my career. And, and that experience in the WBC reignited my love for the game. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad that you pointed that out because keep coming back. What'd you say? I said, it's like golf. One good swing makes you come back when you're playing baseball. It takes one, one moment and you're in, you're back in. Absolutely. Um, well, I don't want to keep you too long, but before I let you go, what I would love to ask you is if you could talk to yourself in sixth and seventh grade when you got cut from the team now, after you've had all the success that you've had, or if you can speak to another sixth or seventh grader, what would you tell them? Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cliche, um, but I'm a huge believer in you can control your destiny. You, you, you have the ability as a human being, as a loved one, as father, son, brother, whatever it may be, to control your effort level, control your, your drive. You obviously can't control the outcome, but I promise you if you put in every ounce of effort that you have to where at the end of the day, regardless whether you make the team, whether you get cut or whether you go on to play to be an MLB all-star. At the end of the day, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I did everything that I possibly could have done to succeed, whatever happens is supposed to happen. If you look at yourself and say, you know, I, I, I could have done more, that's a conversation I, I to this day, even in my, my healthcare job or as a parent, as a husband, whatever it may be, I never want to look at myself and, and think I could have done more in a situation after the situation was over. So prepare yourself, understand that it's never the end. There's always going to be another door that opens, but prepare yourself the best to your ability to succeed in that specific um, endeavor. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nick Rickles, everyone, thank you so much. Listen to Nick. Give it your all. Keep that underdog mentality. Keep a chip on your shoulder. Play for the love of the game. Nick, you have a beautiful family. Thank you for sharing everything, all your knowledge. And, and on social media, thank you, thank you for sharing your life with us. Um, we'll talk again soon, bud. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Finding the Way with Ryan LaVarnway. Find previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.